Well, hi, everybody. Welcome, welcome. How you doing? Good, good. Hey, good to have you here. Thanks for making it out to a service. Um, I know that you could have done a bunch of other things this morning, and so I say this every single week, but I mean it every single week. As a church, we are so glad, so happy that you decided to physically come out to this service. We just appreciate it so much. <clears throat> also, for those of you watching online, we appreciate you as well. Um, we kind of consider you like our extended family, and so glad that you are watching this video. Um, I do want to say this, though. If you're watching online and you live close enough to actually be here in person, um, I want to challenge you and encourage you to, to actually come to a service. Online is great. Online is a good option if we're out of town. Online is a good option if you're just kind of checking things out. But this is so much better in person, not only just for, for us and our, our relationships together, but I also believe that your relationship with God will be better if you engage with other people and experience this in person. So anyway, come if you can, but glad if you're here, you're watching anyway. So today we are starting a brand new series, a four-week series called When Dying is Winning. And uh, I know that that title seems like an oxymoron. That's kind of why we, why we called it that. It seemed like it kind of catch all of our attention. Because here's the thing. Usually we associate dying with negative. And I'm not talking about people dying, of course that is. But I mean, even things in our lives, certain aspects of our lives, that, that when they die, when they change, when things are different, we don't always like that. We like things the way that they are, even if they're not as good as they could be. We're comfortable in what we know. And so when things, when things change or die off, that seems most often like it can't be a win. However, I think there are aspects in all of our lives, things that we all deal with and struggle with, that if we could learn to let them die, if we could learn to let go of them, if we could put them to death, that we would actually end up winning in the long run. God says the same thing. We're going to take a look at his instructions for several different areas of our life over the course of this series. We're not going to cover all of them, okay? We're not going to spend the next 40 years on this series. But some of the big ones that I think are common for many of us and what it would look like for us to put those things to death and how we actually end up winning as a result. So that's that's the series. Now, this, this right here, I'll bring this up a little bit. This is my newest guitar. Everybody say, ooh, ah, make me feel good, okay? So <clears throat> this is my newest guitar. It's from a company called Gretsch. Um, it's what's known as a parlor guitar. So it's got a little bit smaller um, shape, a little bit smaller body size. And I really bought this guitar for two reasons. Number one, I didn't own a parlor guitar prior to this, and I just kind of view guitars, I think it's Pokemon, like you got to catch them all. I don't know, I never watched Pokemon, but that's kind of how I approach guitars. Like I just, I got to get as many as I possibly can. That's kind of my thing, out of collection, whatever. And also the thing about this guitar, one of the reasons I bought it is because it sounds so different from any other guitar I own. And part of that is the shape, part of that is the size, part of it's the fact that I think it's got some like hybrid plastic wood sort of, it's, it's a cheap guitar, okay? But it looks cool, I like it. And, and if you're not a guitarist, you won't understand this, but the shape of the guitar and how the neck feels and even like how the chords ring out affects how you play. And in my head, in my head, I just view this guitar as like, this is a guitar that you'd like sit on a porch in the back hills of Tennessee and just like, you know, just strum and like singer songwriter twerps. And like I play this guitar differently than some of my other guitars akin because of how it looks, how it's shaped and all that stuff. And, and so for those two reasons, I just felt like I needed this guitar. At least those are the two reasons I told my wife. <laughs> and she's not here today, so 
Too bad for her. She won't ever hear this. Make sure it doesn't, that part doesn't go online. <laughs> and these, those are the two reasons I'd tell you I bought this guitar. And those are the two reasons I even tend to fool myself with why I bought that guitar. Because when I really search my heart, it's not those two reasons that I bought the guitar. It's really because I just wanted more guitars. I didn't, now I will never repeat this again, but I did not need another guitar. I will deny that to my grave because I have these. <laughs> and this picture is about two years old. Since this picture was taken, I've added about another half dozen or so, okay? I have a problem. I have issues. It's fine. Whatever. But I didn't need another guitar. When I look inside, really the only answer I can give myself is I just wanted more guitars. I just want more. I, I browse Craigslist and Facebook Marketplace all the time. There's like an eBay for music instruments called Reverb. I look at that all the time. Why? Because I have issues and I just want more guitars. I want more and more and more. They're cool. I like them. They sound awesome. I just want more. And here's the thing about more. It's not just me who wants more. All of us want more, don't we? Now, maybe not guitars, okay? If yours is guitars, come talk to me afterwards. We should be friends. <clears throat> but we all want more of something. What's, what's, what's it in your life that you want more of? Do you want more toys, hobby sort of stuff, golf clubs, four-wheelers, whatever, guns? Do you want more uh, money in your bank account? Do you want more land? Do you want another home? What, what is it in your life that you think you need more of? Because it seems to be just this drive, and it's, I'm not sure if it's us as Americans or if it's us in like all sorts of people. I, I tend to lean that way. But there's something inside of us that is always pursuing more. Fill in the blank with whatever you want. More, more, more is what we want. We always want bigger, better, faster, newer. Just put an er on any adjective, and we want more of that. More er, more, 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 more all the time. And, and, and I don't, I, I don't have, you, like, have you ever stopped to ask yourself why? Why do we always want more? Why are we always looking for more? Why are we always striving to get more of whatever it is that we want more of? Now, I am not a psychologist, okay? This is not some like doctoral dissertation or anything like that. But I think one of the big reasons that we want more is because of this. Because we believe that more will bring peace in our lives. We want peace. As human beings, it's something we desire. And more than just, I mean, maybe it's not even world peace. I don't know where you stand on that. But inside, we want peace. And you can use different words. I just think this is a good one. But inside, we want security. Inside, we want contentment. Inside, we want to be okay. We want to be free from worry, free from stress, free from anxiety. We, we think that more of whatever it is is going to give us peace in our lives. And that can look all more, again, more money in our bank account, more things that we own, more land to own, whatever it is, we believe that this will happen. And here's the interesting thing about this. There have been people who've had way more than us who've told us this doesn't work. Think about celebrities and multimillionaires. Money doesn't buy happiness, right? We've all heard that. And yet for some reason we still think, well, maybe not for you, but for me it will. You know, if I, have, if I have more money, I can buy a jet ski. Ain't never seen anybody crying on no jet ski, right? We think like, okay, maybe free, but I'm, I'm the exemption to the rule. More will make me happy. More will give me joy. More will give me peace. And on the same side, this is, this is interesting. We've seen people with more and we've also seen people with less. 
experience joy and happiness in their lives. And we still, we still pursue this idea of more. I need more. I want to get more. I want to achieve more. I want to attain more. I want to accumulate more, 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 because then I'll be okay on the inside. We've totally bought into this idea that more makes us okay on the inside. It gives us peace. But do you know what this is called? Do you know what? Believing this, believing that more equals peace. Now, this is something we don't want to admit to ourselves. This is very uncomfortable for us to kind of see in ourselves. But this belief is actually called greed. The belief that more will bring peace into our lives is really just greed in disguise. Now, typically, we associate greed with only money, right? And we, we might even think, you know, I don't have a greed problem. I don't want more money. I'm not all about this. And, and really what it is, greed is an unhealthy, like, drive or an obsession for more, whether it's money or otherwise. And greed can look all sorts of different ways. Greed can look like accumulating more. Greed can look like spending more. Greed can look like saving more. Greed can look like a bunch of different things. And sometimes we even, we even try and like, okay, I'm not a greedy person. We try and like wiggle our way out of this and say, you know, I don't need that brand new $10 million home. I don't need a brand new vehicle. Like I just want like just the right amount, right? I just need Goldilocks amount, just right. You know why Goldilocks is a fairy tale? Because it ain't real. No, not one single person has ever had just enough because just enough is always just a little bit more than we have right now. And every single one of us have pursued this path. Now, to different degrees, maybe some of us aren't completely caught up in this, but because we're all Americans living in 2021 in a consumeristic culture, we've all tried to follow this road before, thinking that more will bring us peace, thinking that being greedy with different things will bring us peace. And every single time, it's let us down. Greed has never fulfilled its promise in any one of our lives. The Apostle Paul writes about this in a letter to Timothy. He says this, but people who long to be rich, now he's talking about money specifically, but apply the principle to anything that we want more of. People who long to have more fall into temptation and are trapped by many foolish and harmful desires that plunge them into ruin and destruction. Why? For the love of money, or I believe you could say the love of more, is a root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money, some people so consumed and driven by greed and attaining more, some people have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. These words from the Apostle Paul were written almost 2,000 years ago. But it's crazy how relevant they still are to our culture at large. And it's crazy how relevant they are for even some of us. Some of you, if you were to tell your story on this stage, you would say, that's it exactly. This has been my life. I've been so driven. Maybe even for you, it's especially that love of money, that wanting to to be rich. I've been so driven by that. And I've come to ruin and destruction. I've hurt people. I've gotten into debt. I've, I've bought things I shouldn't have bought. I've, I've ruined relationships in this pursuit of more. And you know, just like the great teacher, Notorious B.I.G. said, more money, more problems. Mm, where my homies at? <clears throat> more money, more problems. Greed, this sort of thinking, this desire for more, this unhealthy obsession actually robs us of peace. We think that greed and more will bring peace, but in reality, it robs us of our peace. Greed is a sin. 
It's not good for our lives. It is bad. It's against God's desire for our lives, and it hurts us and can even hurt other people in the process. And so here's kind of the big idea for today. What if we could put greed to death in our lives? Wouldn't that be nice? I mean, wouldn't you love to be able to put greed, or if you, if you want to label it some other way because you still don't want to admit that, you're, that we're greedy, that desire for, what if we could die to that? What if we could put that to them? What if we could get that out of our lives? How free would it feel to be released from that, that grip or that drive that, that, that fuels our decisions and makes us cause bad decisions? and all the, Like, what if we didn't have that in our lives? What if we could put greed to death once and for all? Wouldn't that be winning? If we could be free from greed, wouldn't that actually be winning in our lives? I absolutely think it would be. There's only one problem. You can't do it. (laughs) You can't do it. You cannot put greed to death in your own life. You are not strong enough. You don't have enough willpower. You don't have enough determination. You don't have enough follow-through. You cannot do it. But I'm not just pointing the finger at you. I'm pointing it at me too. Because I can't do it either. And neither is any other person who's ever lived. We as human beings are not strong enough on our own to put greed to death. Now, we can try and hide it. We can try and suppress it. We can try and push it way down and ignore it. We can try and put on a facade or an appearance for other people on the outside. They're like, look at me. I'm not a greedy person. We can even seem like it. But inside, man, none of us have ever been successful at putting greed to death. It's simply too big of an obstacle for us. We've all failed at it. And the Apostle Paul kind of describes what this struggle is like for us because he experienced the same thing in his life. And he writes about just kind of all sin in general, not greed specifically. But he writes this about his own struggles and his own journey. I want to do what is good, but I don't. And I don't want to do what is wrong, but guess what? I do it anyway. How many of us have ever, okay, don't raise your hand, but how many of us have ever been here before? Right? Man, I want to do what's good. I want to do what's right. And you know what? I just I fail at it every time. And I don't want to do what's... I want to put greed to death, but I can't do it. I want to stop giving in to this desire for more, but I keep heading back there every single time. Paul says, yeah, I know what that's like. I know what it's like. I've been there. Totally different culture, totally different world, but experiencing the same things that we've all experienced. I want to do what's good. I don't want to do what's right, but I fail every single time. In fact, he goes on to write this. He says, I've discovered this principle in life, that when I want to do what is right... I inevitably do what is wrong. Man, what an encouraging verse, huh? How come nobody's got this tattooed as like their life verse on their arm, you know? Everybody's got happy verses. This is a principle of life. I love God's law. Paul says, I love this with all my heart, but there's another power within me that is at war with my mind. This power makes me a slave to the sin, any sort of sin, but just put greed in there for today's talk. Makes me a slave to the greed that is still within me. This is what happens every time we try to put greed to death ourselves. In fact, any time that we try to put any sin to death ourselves, this is the result. We will fail over and over again. No matter how many times we try, Paul says, I've discovered this principle and this is true all the time. We are unable to do it on our own. But the good news is that this is not where Paul stops writing. Now, if it does, that would not be good news. But he goes on in the next chapter, in Romans chapter 8, to describe the solution, 
How do we put greed to death in our lives? We're not going to read the whole thing. I would encourage you to read Romans chapter 8 sometime during this next week. It's, it's so good. He's so detailed. But I do want to read two verses that sum it up, and he says this. Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do, what that, what that desire, that drive inside to always want more. You, you don't have to do that anymore. For if you live by its dictates, if you live that way, if we try to do this ourselves, you will die. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. And it's these six words right here, through the power of the Spirit, that give us the answer. How do we put greed to death? Through the Holy Spirit, or in other words, through our relationship with God. It's by being connected in a relationship with God that that he empowers us, he enables us, he puts greed to death. In it. It's not our effort, it's not our works, it's not us, well, I'm just going to make a decision, grip my teeth and never, no, 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 it's not that. It's through the power of the Spirit, it's through God's power and presence working in our lives that greed is put to death. What Jesus accomplished on the cross is so incredible and so amazing for many different reasons. Not only did Jesus, through, through his, the, the forgiveness that he offers, not only does he give us access to our Heavenly Father, but he also enables us to have a relationship with our Heavenly Father, whereby we are changed and transformed on the inside. It's more than just going to heaven when we die. It's being connected in a relationship with God in the here and now where he can work in our lives. There's a, a term that Jesus used and it's kind of popular in Christianity, this term of being born again. Yes, when we put our trust in Jesus, we are born again completely. In one sense that we go to heaven when we die, our spirits have been brought back to life, born again. But also in the sense that we are being born again, that he renews us, that we are literally being made into God's own likeness, that, that we are a new creation, that process of being born again or being remade. As we spend time with God, as we build a relationship with him, as we get to know him better, that's where the power to put greed to death comes from. I think of it like this. A few weeks ago, I bought something up in Duluth, and on the way back, it was lunchtime, I was riding the car with Dave, our, our worship leader. <clears throat> I said, hey, let's stop and get some lunch. And we drove by Cloquet, and I know there's a restaurant in Cloquet called Gordy's Hi-Hat. Maybe you've been there before. Great restaurant. At Gordy's Hi-Hat, they have a fish sandwich there that is to die for, okay? It is so good. It is oily and greasy and like, oh, just everything bad for you. I could feel myself having a heart attack as I was eating. It was glorious. It's like, it's, it's four huge fish fillets on a sandwich. I don't even know how they fit it all on there. It is such a big sandwich, I could not even finish it, okay? And I want you to know, one time I, I won a medal from a restaurant because I ate so much, okay? So it's not like, not like I can't eat with the best of them. I literal metal that you put it like I was an Olympian at eating okay so this sandwich is so big and so greasy I could not finish the whole sandwich so we eat in the car and then we're trying to we're, we're going to head back home get on I-35 to head back towards North Branch and you will know this if you've driven from Cloquet the first exit you pass once you're on I-35 is the exit on the right hand side for Black Bear Casino now Black Bear Casino is a great place to go Black Bear Casino, as far as casinos are speaking, has a great buffet. Every time I, okay, I don't go to the casino for any other reason except just buffet and eating stuff in my face, because again, I have problems, but 
Every time I drive by there, I want to stop at Black Black Bear. It's good. I've never had a bad meal there once. But after eating Gordy's fish sandwich, even the thought of going, going to Black Bear was absolutely disgusting. I kind of joked to Dave next to me, like, hey, you want to stop at Black Bear and go to the buffet? And we were both like, no, no, gross. Like, I'm not even joking about stopping at Black Bear was the most repulsive thing I could possibly think of at the time. Why? Because Black Bear is suddenly different? No, because I like willed it out of myself. I'm just not going to eat at Black Bear anymore, dang it. No, because I was so full and so satisfied with Gordy's fish sandwich that Black Bear didn't have any appeal anymore. It wasn't even enticing anymore. And the same thing is true in our relationship with God. That when we are so fulfilled and so satisfied and so complete in our relationship with Him, the more that we build our relationship with God, the less the things of this world seem enticing. Again, it's not us putting greed to death like, oh, I'm going to kill you in my life. No, no, no. It's being so at peace with God that we don't have to look for peace somewhere else. The Apostle Paul describes this, and what we're going to read in just a moment, I want, I want you to know that when Paul writes these words to the Philippian church, he is not writing from a beach in Cancun. He is not writing from a cabin on a thousand acres in Colorado in the Rockies. He's writing from prison. This is not just conjecture. This is not just, well, this is the way it should be. This was real for Paul's life. And he says this. He's he's responding. The Philippians had sent him a gift while he was in prison. He says, not that I was ever in need, because guess what? I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it's with a full stomach or with empty, with plenty or with little, whether I have more or whether I don't have more, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Would you like this to be true for your life? I mean, wouldn't this be nice if this wasn't just, oh yeah, it's a Bible verse, but what if it was actually true for us to learn to be content, whether we have more or we don't? Paul says the secret It's through Christ, through our relationship with God that Christ made possible is where we learn how to to put this desire for more to death. God puts it to death in us. Earlier, we read a verse from from 1 Timothy where Paul writes, hey, you know, some people craving money and longing for money have pierced themselves with many sorrows. A few sentences later, about a paragraph later, Paul kind of Um, comes at that from a different angle because really this greed thing, more than anything else, it's a trust issue. Are we going to trust more to give us peace or are we going to trust God to give us peace? The two are really in direct opposition to each other and Paul says this. He says, teach those who are rich in this world. Again, he's talking specifically about money, but teach those who have more in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their stuff, their money, whatever, which is so unreliable. We know that. Never want, I mean, we've, we've felt good maybe for a short time purchasing something or attaining something or getting something, but it's never lasted. It's so unreliable. Instead, their trust should be in God who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. And I don't think he's talking about material enjoyment there. I believe he's talking about enjoyment and peace and contentment and satisfaction on the inside that we are actually good on the inside because of our relationship with God. Paul wrote about this so often, this idea that peace comes from God. 
so often in, in every one of his letters, at least the ones that we still have copies of, in all 13 letters in the New Testament that Paul wrote, it's one of the first things he writes. Somewhere within the first few verses, he writes this idea of may God give you grace and peace. May God give you grace and peace. May you experience God's peace. I'm praying that you experience God's peace. I want you to remember that it's only God who gives peace. Over and over and over again is one of the first things he wrote to Christians in all of his letters. Remember that true peace comes from God. It's something that Jesus told his disciples. In fact, towards the Last Supper as he was getting ready to you know, be arrested and tortured and crucified, he told his closest followers, I'm leaving you with a gift peace of mind, and peace of heart. And he says, this peace that I'm going to give you is a peace that you can't find anywhere else. It's a peace that the world cannot give. Jesus says, I am going to offer you peace in your lives through a relationship with God that you will not find anywhere else. A peace that is bigger than our bank accounts. A peace that is more satisfying than a purchase or a new car or a piece of land. A peace that does not rise and fall with the stock market. A peace that truly does satisfy on the inside. And for so long, we have believed that more equals peace. And what Paul is telling us, what Jesus is telling us, what I believe God is trying to reveal to us now is that it's only through our relationship with God that you and I will ever experience peace. So often we look at God's instructions in the Bible, you know, put greed to death, don't trust this, don't pursue money. It's like God's just trying to control us, right? God's trying to be some cosmic killjoy. He doesn't want us to have fun. He doesn't want us to enjoy nice things in life. That's so wrong. That's, that's such a bad perspective to read the Bible. Really what God wants is what's best for us. I, I picture, I don't know if God really does this, but I picture it like God is, is sitting up in heaven and he sees our lives and he knows the struggle and the allure that more stuff has, the, the grip that it has in our lives. And I just believe he's like, he's trying to call out to us, don't trust that, don't go that route again, don't spend that money, don't work. Like, that's not where you're going to find peace. Come to me. Come to me, I will give you peace. I will give you rest. I will fulfill you. I will, I will satisfy you. It's not about God trying to limit our lives. Really, he's trying to give us the best life possible. And he knows that only comes as we build a relationship with him. The more we get to know God, the more we grow close to him, the more peace we'll experience. It's everything else that we looked for more to satisfy, we looked for achievements, we looked for money to fill, that need for peace is satisfied in our relationship with God. I know I have seen this work in my own life. Now, I am not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. This is not a, hey, look at me. In fact, I'm going to tell you some pretty embarrassing things in just a minute. But I have seen God do his God thing that I can't explain any other way in my life. I've shared my story before, but I'm going to share it again just because it's so pertinent to this topic up until about my senior year in high school, first year of college, I had always wanted to be a doctor. I wanted to go into the medical field. Um, it's just, I, I don't know why, it's just what I wanted to do. And when I felt like God told me, no, I, want, I have a different path for you, I have a different plan for you, the most difficult part for me in trying to work through that was not, oh God, did I hear you right or was that bad pizza? I knew it was God. I didn't have to try and decipher like, ah, was it really you or not? The most difficult part was not the relational strain that it put between me and my dad, although that has lasted quite a long time. We're slowly starting to get through that. The hardest part for me as I was deciding to go from medicine to ministry was that I knew I wasn't going to be rich. 
Nobody goes into ministry for the money. It just, it ain't there. And as I was trying to weigh this out, I struggled with for over a year deciding, God, am I going to do what you want me to do or am I going to pursue more? Am I going to pursue more money? And I'd love to tell you that when I decided to follow God that it was just magic snap of the fingers and everything was gone for my life, but that's not the truth. The fact is that even still to this day, there are times when I struggle with greed in my life. There are times when this pursuit of more still kind of comes alive and rears its, its head in my life. And I'll tell you, most often it happens either when stuff here at church is not going well, when I've got other relational problems in my life, when I haven't spent enough time with God. Usually there's some sort of trigger that happens and I find myself, instead of pursuing what God says, I find myself looking at what everybody else has. And so often, more often than I'd like to admit, I'll find myself looking at my friends' homes and getting jealous. I'll find myself looking at what my friends drive and getting envious. I'll take a look at what everybody else posts on Facebook and their vacations and their cabins and all this stuff. And inside, this desire for more starts to creep up. And it is ugly. It is not pretty. In fact, just about a month ago, I had about a two-day stint where I was just, I was a pain to be around because I was in such a pity party. But you know what has made a difference? What made a difference a month ago? What's made a difference in my life as I look back over the last 20 years of being a Christian? It's my relationship with God that has made a difference. Because I, what I've noticed is looking back retrospectively in my life and even when these things come up, I either don't think about that stuff as much anymore or that, that greed, that desire just doesn't last as long anymore. Again, not a magic bullet, not a flip of a switch. God is not a genie that just removes everything. But the more time that I've spent getting to know God, the more that I've learned how to trust him, the less that that greed and desire for more seems to be a controlling force in my life. Now, is it still there? Yeah, it's still there. Do I still want nice stuff? Absolutely. I do. I'm a human being. I'm still trapped in this sinful body in a sinful world. But I have no, the only thing that I can attribute a change in my heart to is a relationship with God. That's it. I have ne when I've been in those little moods, I've never once been able to grit my way out of it. I've never once been able to tell myself, well, just, you know, stop being so jealous. Okay, Shaheen, just tell yourself, stop being jealous. Stop. It's never worked. But when I'm satisfied with God, when I feel complete and secure in my relationship with Him, when I get a sense of God's perspective that this life is so short and eternity is so long and this, this life is a mist, when I, when I spend time with him in that, my heart, I don't know how to describe it any other way than my heart is transformed and greed is slowly put to death in my life. Not gone forever, but in the process of dying. And the more I spend time with God, the more it dies. The less I spend time with God, the more, more starts to come back. What about for you? Just, just imagine for a moment, okay? Close your eyes. You don't have to really close your eyes, but just sit back, relax, and imagine. Imagine if you could be free from greed. Imagine if you could be free from that, that insatiable desire to always have more. That desire that has caused you to overspend. That desire that has caused you to hoard 
that desire that has caused relational problems between maybe you and your spouse or you and somebody. What if we could be free? I mean, imagine the type of life that we could live if greed was put to death. And as wouldn't that be amazing? Wouldn't that be winning in our lives? Maybe, maybe, just maybe, God is right. We've all tried every other way. What if we tried God's way? Build our relationship with him. Trust in him. Allow him to satisfy that need for peace. Because I believe that is the only way that we can put greed to death in our lives. And listen, information is cool and all, right? 30-minute message and read some Bible verses, awesome, and feel good going out. But it's got to be more than just information. It's got to be more than just a message we hear one time. We actually need to experience God's presence in our lives in order for this to start working. So we've got some time built into the service. We're not running late or anything. Here's what I want to do. I want us to actually practice together spending time with God. Now this, this might seem weird for some of you. This is not just going to be like a quick mealtime prayer. We all repeat the same thing. Instead, what I want us to do is to simply enjoy God's presence and to talk to Him using our own words. So here's what I ask us to do. Around the room, just so we're not looking at each other and lose focus, can we all just bow our heads Close our eyes. This is not so God hears us any better. Just for us. And I want to give you some prompts. Some things to talk to God about. And don't, I mean, don't say anything out loud. But then I want you to just talk to God from your heart. And whatever words you use, whether they're nice and polished and religious sounding or whether they're just honest and brutal and raw, however you communicate best, talk to God. And here's what I want us to start with. I want us to admit to God the things that we think are going to bring peace in our lives. Just give you 10, 20 seconds to be quiet and to communicate that with God. What is it in your life that you are pursuing that you think, if you get more of it, will give you peace? Be honest. God can take it. Here's a second thing. In, in your way of communication from your heart, admit to God, I want to turn from those things. I want to not trust that anymore. And then here's the final thing. Tell God in your own words, I want to be close to you. I want to be satisfied in you. Ask God to fill you with his presence.
Heavenly Father, you know our hearts. You know our lives. You know us individually. You know our struggles. You know the things that are, are actually taking the place of you in our lives. And Father, we don't want to continue down that path anymore. God, we want to look to you. We, we trust, at least as much as we can right now, we trust that what you say is good and right. We trust that your will for our lives is better than even our own will for our lives. And so, Father, I pray that you would make a difference inside of us. May we experience the fullness of your presence. May we experience the supernatural peace that Jesus promised. May we experience what Paul found, the secret to being content in this life, no matter what the circumstances look like. Father, I pray that you would, you would fill our lives and our hearts with you. And even this week, as we go about our week, and as, as inevitably the desire for more will start to creep back in, Father, I pray that your presence and your, your touch, your Holy Spirit in our lives would, would constantly be drawing us close to you. Every day, Father, may we be growing in our relationship with you and may we find our satisfaction and our peace and our fulfillment in you alone, Father. Work in our lives. We open ourselves up to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.